Welcome to the Best Hour of Their Day podcast with your hosts, Jason Fernandez and me, Jason Ackerman. With more than 20 years in the business, as both coaches and affiliate owners, our passion is to help create world-class affiliates and coaches by building better boxes. Welcome to the best hour of your day. It's like we have full attendance for Chuck Carswell. Where's Federico? See, yeah, there he is. Take it. In my screen, he's right in the center like the Brady Bunch, Federico. I see you in there, Alice. Um, Federico, Chuck, is... Probably going to cry at some point on this call, just so you know. Don't do it. Daddy, He's going to tear do up. Um, we got people from all over the world. Uh, Frederico's <laughs> in Italy. Sim, where are you at? You're in India. Florida. India. And India, then you got wow. like t- t- New Jersey, you know, a crazy place. So you got the Upper Peninsula <laughs> with uh, the other Tony. I don't know where he's at. Matt, you're in Brazil, right? Um, Pablo, where are you at? Ecuador. Ecuador. I was watching your uh, yeah. deadlift earlier. Uh, all right. So, Chuck, <laughs> well, let me give you did a little PR. bit. Of- hold on. Wait. Hold on. Go back to the deadlift. Pablo, did you PR? No, no, no. He was teaching it. But it was. Oh, got it. Okay. He did PR his teaching. So, let me give Chuck a brief introduction. It's unnecessary, but uh, the hardest work- working man in CrossFit would be a good way to get you going. Um, I think the unique thing about Chuck Carswell is no one, at least to my knowledge, has ever said anything bad about Chuck Carswell, right? You could be a great human being on this planet. Someone will not like you. Someone will come up with something. I live my life by the credo. What would Chuck do? And I suppose suppose you you all should do that as well. Hey, Luke, I know you're a what would Jesus do guy, but I'm suggesting you change it. I'm suggesting you go with what would Chuck do, Luke? Don't. don't. We'll write a new book. We'll get Greg Amundsen to write the new book. So, put your ear close to the ground. No. And um, so, what do you've got? About 13 years on seminar staff, Chuck? Whew, uh, whew. My first level one was in 2007. Uh, as an attendee, and I went to two more in 2008, uh, and then joined the staff in 2008. So, what is that? Twelve? Yeah. Was, was one of your first seminars the one in CrossFit South Brooklyn, where Coach Glassman showed up and Davis Orio's place? <laughs> was that one where he was where I was working? You mean? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Was that one of the first ones you worked? Yeah, it was one of the first few that I had been working. Yeah, and Glassman showed up unannounced, and yeah, it, right in my lecture, if I'm not mistaken. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, these guys are huge fans of yours for, for many, many reasons. How many of you have had Chuck at your level one or level two? Yeah. Brady, Jan- oh, Janaya, no. Yeah. Um, so oh, quite a few. I can't even see everybody on the screen. But all right. As per usual, put your virtual hand up. Brady, I know you have a question to kick this off, I'm sure. So Brady's our, our guy, Chuck. Brady will always have a question. So I'm sure Brady has a question. Where's Brady on here in my screen? There he is up top. Brady, you got a question? I'll let everybody else put their virtual hand up. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I always, I I can come up with a question for Chuck. So he was at your level one or level two recently, Brady? Level two. um, Just recently. uh, My level one was 2019. Okay. I was the very first level one of the 2019 year. So at CrossFit Atlanta. Okay. Was that at, uh, was that when, if I'm not mistaken, CrossFit Atlanta in 2019 had joined with North Atlanta. Would that have been that facility? Yeah. The one that's like, right. That's right around the corner from Topgolf. Correct. That's it. Yep. So I was, so you, you were the flow master there. It was you, Lindsay, and I can't remember the, the other people. I, I mean, you and Lindsay stuck – obviously, I mean, you stuck out the most because you're – come on, the Chuck Carswell. Come on, people. Thank you, sir. Um, and Lindsay was just – she's she was awesome, but she's so aggressive. And it Look, was, you don't it was, have to make excuses <laughs> of why you remember Lindsay. We get it. She's attractive, Brady. <laughs> she's aggressive, man. She was awesome. Everybody's awesome. I mean, you guys She is know. aggressive, too, though. Yeah. So what's, what's your question, Brady? Um, so – First, Chuck, I just want to say thanks for who you are in the in the CrossFit community. Uh, I think anybody that's taken a seminar with you, uh, I think when they leave the seminar, you benefit everybody's life uh, just from talking to them uh, in 
with whether it's level one or level two at some point. Uh, so thank you for that. But what is your, what's the one, um, I guess, critique that, that, that like, what's the hardest critique that, that you've made or that somebody that somebody's given you leaving a seminar? That I've made or that someone's given me? Whew. Or sorry, that's um, some, that somebody has given you. So you left and whether it was Nicole Carroll or Greg were like, Hey, Chuck, this is like, this is the one and the, the one that sticks out in your head the most. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I worked a level one, uh, probably in 2010 or 11 in, uh, Virginia, I believe at CrossFit Trident. Um, and, uh, Nicole Carroll walked in uh, very much like Co coach Glassman used to do regularly and literally pulled out the trainer manual and flipped to the lecture I was given and grabbed herself a notebook and wrote me a page and a half worth of feedback. And most of it was, was on areas that I could improve. Um, she was impressed that I stuck pretty close to the manual, but not impressed that, uh, that I didn't take some leeway uh, in some of the questions. She thought I was a little too straightforward and probably should have gone a little um, more of Chuck experience as opposed to directly from the manual for a couple questions. Yeah. But it was shoot. Nicole was known for that though. She would literally sit in the back of the classroom and sometimes nod her head uh, positive and sometimes shake her head and just continue to write. And so you just never knew until she gave you the feedback. And often that would come, you know, 45 minutes to an hour afterwards, but that was probably the biggest challenge that, Hey, yeah, you did a good job with what's on, on the script, but what you should have done is, is turned a little bit and, and taken some liberty. So, yeah. So, question, man. so, so Chuck, let me follow up on Brady's question for these guys okay. that are newer to coaching. You know, we do a lot of drills of teaching and seeing and correcting. How would you mm -hmm. advise them to find their voice as a coach, you know, so you leave that, okay, this week, for example, or last week, I'll say we did sumo della typo, deadlift, deadlift, shrug, deadlift, shrug at speed. How do I add, this is me, like this is Jersey Tony, or this is Sim in India. So it's yeah. not just like I'm regurgitating the, the progressions and my information. Yeah, let me, let me be clear though. I think the first place to begin to gain liberties that you can sort of expound and create your own level of creativity comes directly out of knowing the information. So while I was spot on by knowing the information, the one thing that I didn't do was, was again, just move enough into what I call Chuckisms to make that happen. And so how do you find that voice? Number one, you've got to know exactly what it is that you're trying to teach. And then number two, put your own flavor or your own spin on it. Now that doesn't mean you deviate away from points of performance or the things that are non-negotiable, but it does mean that you take your own flavor style as to how you get athletes to accomplish those. And, um, you know, that only comes with trial and error. Um, if you haven't crashed and burned in this coaching thing yet, you, you haven't taken, you know, enough liberties or you haven't coached enough, one of the two. And it's just a matter of time. The cool thing about it though, is if you own your mistakes, um, and I, I feel like people will give you more opportunity, but if you try to sweep things under the rug as if they didn't happen, you know, CrossFitters have a very sensitive BS meter. And if you peg that BS meter, you're done as a coach, in my opinion. So yeah, learn, learn what you're supposed to learn and then morph it out of that. But that's not a fast approach. You've got to earn the right to be able to step outside the box. Love it. Yeah. So understand the material before putting your own. It's like, um, Mechanics, consistency, intensity, right? Something like that. Have yeah. the mechanics yeah. down before you ratchet up that intensity. Let's go with Luke. Luke, we'll go, Luke, I see you guys come up in order of when you put your hands up. So, Luke, you go ahead first. Nice. Hey, Chuck. Um, hey, Luke, how are you? I'm one of the few guys who has not been at a seminar float by you yet. Okay. Um, yeah. I got yeah, my LT like coming that. up. I'm hoping you're going to be there. <laughs> where are you going to, where are you we'll taking? See. I'm going to be at Mayhem in February. Okay. That wouldn't be I unusual. I'm always making that face. Tennessee. Know. Wait for yeah. it. Wait for it. I was looking. Not there. <laughs> Yet. Go ahead, though, brother. Yet. Okay. There we go. All right. So my question is just about um, the relentless pursuit of coaching. We've talked about it a little bit um, in the groups, but where do you draw the line between, like, the movement is good enough for today, knowing that this athlete's going to come back to say deadlifts next week as well. Um, between like being relentless as a coach and getting somebody to good enough for today. 
Yeah. So I, I think that that is in and of itself the art of coaching. And people want a definite line in the sand. And I was that guy. When I sat on the front row of Glassman, he's like, you know, this is what we're aiming for. And I'm like, okay, cool. But everybody can't get to that position. So where do you actually go ahead and say, hey, that's cool? And I, I don't think that that place actually comes until the very end of class, honestly. I think there's a refinement process that's happening along the way. And the coach has to balance that relentless pursuit of, I want you to be better. I want you to be better, but also the acknowledgement of, Hey, what you're doing in this particular point of the deadlift is solid. I feel like the more praise you give for the things that go well, the more opportunity you get to be able to refine movement patterns. But if people are always being told what they do wrong, do wrong, do wrong, then you're exactly right. They will exhaust, uh, you'll exhaust them as a coach. And so um, the balance is, probably if I had to give you a specific point of performance, it's the back being flat. If I can get that straight, then we've got an opportunity. Everything else is, you know, depending on the loading is, is, is probably secondary to a neutral spine. But if you can't get your back into a good position, what should have probably have happened is I should have determined what we were going to do differently in the warm up before we ever started adding significant load to the movement. So to me, the warm-up is the place where you can figure out what you're going to do for the workout and the, the pieces that you're going to hold your athlete accountable for during the class. That to me, if you miss that opportunity, now you're trying to undo something in the heat of the moment. And most athletes will give you the, you know, talk to the hand or the stiff arm. They don't want to hear it. Or you only get a couple of cues to make that happen. So use your warm-up wisely. Um, and then it's an ongoing process. Plenty of praise. And then you can refine the movement as best you can. But without the praise, you know, it's never going to be any good. So, yeah. Does that answer your question, Luke? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, that was Was awesome. there something like, more there... specific? Was there something more specific you wanted to know about? Or is that? No, honestly, just kind of getting a good uh, answer for just the basic part of that question. Yeah, that was awesome. Thank you. Yeah, so, so, Chuck, to follow that up, a lot of the drills we do are with one to three people here in the group, not necessarily – in a class setting or they're, you know, doing a, an on-ramp type thing. To, to follow up on what Luke's asking, how do you know when to stop? You know, so for example, at level two is we say, hey, you have seven minutes. But at what point do you know, okay, enough is enough. What do you look for in an athlete to be like, I'm pushing this person to their limits? Yeah, I think it's two things. And you mentioned one of them. You've got seven minutes and then you've got the standard that you're looking for for the movement. And those are the two guides that I generally would use. <clears throat> the third one I'll circle into that is kind of what's happening with the athlete. Like there's there's nonverbal communication and verbal communication going back and forth the entire time. And most of us can read an athlete to when they're starting to get to a place of frustration or you need to go talk to somebody else, coach, that kind of thing. And I think that that's a signal that one of two things is happening. You're either constantly harping on the things that aren't being done right, or you need to give way more praise for the things that are being done right. And if you can balance those two things, you'll have more time to correct. And so I'm a huge fan of leveraging your presence and attitude, You know, your ability to keep folks interested, happy and laughing and joking and all of that, but only for the, well, for two reasons. Number one, to have a crap ton of fun, because that's always great when you're working with somebody. But the second reason is if people are having fun, they'll give you more opportunity to correct them. It's when they stop having fun that it's time for you to move on to somebody else. And so um, look for those things, monitor your time, monitor the points of performance that are happening with the athlete. And then three, um, you know, read those nonverbal and verbal communication things that are happening there. Yeah. That's a, that's the art of coaching. It's like, I can't tell you exactly where that is, but for some, it'll be a lot longer. And for others, it'll be a lot shorter, you know, and you guys know it. People come into the class. It's like, coach, don't talk to me today. I'm just here so I can get my workout on. I don't care about hips and shoulders rising at the same time. It's not, not important to me today. You know, I hate, I hate my significant other and I just want to work out, you know, that kind of thing. So. <laughs> Love it. All right. Jersey, Tony. All right. Just want to know, and this is a joke more, Chuck, you, Jason, you heard he said it's okay to say good, all right? So I want you to know that. Jason Don't be distracted by Jersey Tony's blue blockers either. Right, the blue light. I stare at a computer all day. I'm sorry. Um, Chuck, uh, I'll try and make this as quick as possible. One, thank you, obviously, 
for all that you do as a as a minority and a person of color. Um, it's very uh, refreshing to see. Um, I often I forget that I am a person of color and uh, just to see where the, the sport has gone. So that's number number question one. That was more common. Question one: Why no social media? All right, that's number one. Um, number two, and I'll hit you, and you can answer them all. Where do you see the sport? in a year or two and then number three i'm one of those newer coaches i'm just oh shit sorry that's my dogs in the back sorry you got a little yappy dog there a labadoodle a labadoodle and a toy australian shepherd are fighting with each other all right it's better than kids crying and then number three um what would you tell yourself now or when you were first coaching because i'm one of those newer coaches so what would you tell yourself way back when that you know now and thank you very much okay so let's yes, recap sir. why don't you answer that one first chuck what would you tell your your former 2007 crossfit coach self and then where do you see the games and then finally why no social media no social media yeah so um so i think i i think i did pretty good with with what i would tell my former self i think i did a pretty good job immersing myself in the program i went to three level ones that's literally before i ever even thought about the level two. Number one, I didn't know there was a level two. So that's the first thing. Uh, I would say immerse yourself in the program, honestly. And, and I will expand that a little bit. Learn as much as you can about things outside of the program, but don't believe everything you learn. And what I mean by that is that there are some nuances between the way we teach things and the way some of the more specialized areas do that I think allow trainers to get bogged down, confused, and start drawing these hard lines in the sand. And I think it's not that important. Learn as much as you can about how Olympic lifting styles from all across the world teach, all of that stuff, but don't major in the minors. Get the major pieces squared away. You gotta keep the arms long, you gotta stand tall before you pull the bar. Like that's, that's almost a universal accepted piece in the snatch. So that would be the one. Immerse yourself in the program. Um, learn as much as you can. Don't necessarily believe as much, believe everything you learn. Number two, the sport. Um, so Rosa has made some really cool decisions, I think for CrossFit. And one of them is, um, is by putting Dave Castro solely responsible for the sport side of the program. In the past, he's had dual roles, multiple roles, but now he has kind of like a single focus. And if you know anything about Dave Castro, when he has, um, clear guidance. He can, he can work magic. And, um, I think the sport is going to grow to, um, to what it used to be four, four years ago, maybe three, four years ago and begin to e exceed that. I honestly do, because I, I think he has a clear vision for it. And I also think that without any other distractions or pulls, he'll have the opportunity to grow the sport the way he actually wants or the way we want to see it grow. Um, so I can see the worldwide stage coming back, assuming that COVID kind of allows us that opportunity. And even if COVID doesn't, I think the creativity that Dave, Justin Berg, and all of that crew has um, will still provide us with opportunities to see some pretty cool competitions go down. I think this, this, this games we had this year um, where athletes got a chance to compete in their time zones was phenomenal. I think that's how you standardize and make it fair for everybody. And I think we'll see more of that kind of style coming up, how they'll keep those workouts secret, totally up to those guys. But that's definitely what I see growing exponentially. No question. Why no social media? Um, <laughs> uh, I, you know, what, Coach Glassman asked me years ago, he said, um, you want, I want to go ahead and get you an email address. So I was like, cool, let's do it. And he said, I want it to be Chuck at CrossFit.com. And I turned it down. And the reason I did initially was because I knew for a fact that the moment that that became my email address, at the end of every seminar, I would write it on the board and the entire community would have access to me right away. And so I had to make sure that I was ready for it because I knew my world was going to change. Um, I took the email address, but I can't have the social media because again, it's another avenue for people to get to me. And I just would much rather have you email me, text me, something like that, as opposed to reach out on some social media thing where you get a very limited snapshot of what 
my thoughts are, my words are, or my actions are. And now you can judge me accordingly to what you see in that little snapshot. And I just refuse to play that game. I just, I just won't do it. So, um, so that's why I know social media. I, I, I miss out on a lot of opportunities because of not having it. I miss out on a lot of information because of not having it. But I also know that if people uh, for the first five, six years of CrossFit, almost everybody in the community, if they took a level one for me and got an email from me, had my phone number at the bottom of their email. So they could reach out to me and get me it any way they wanted to. So, yeah, I don't know. It's um, again, it may be something that changes at one point, but uh, for now, I just, I don't like the downside of having social media. So, yeah. I like it. And you get more real interaction as well. I, th- I think so. Uh, it would be nice to see, you know, snippets of people's life. But then, too, uh, you know, if you want the whole totality of it, you can't go based on a picture with where they were with lunch and who ate with them. That's just not realistic, you know. So pictures worth a thousand words, but it's also leaving out an additional nine thousand, I think, sometimes. So anyway, Write that down. no social media. Write that down somewhere, guys, in the group. <laughs> All right, let's go to uh, Devin. Hey, Chuck. Uh, hey, Devin. First off, I'm taking my level to January 8th in uh, Pittsburgh. You ever travel to Pittsburgh? Yeah, I've been to Pittsburgh a couple times. I actually PR'd my uh, DT up at CrossFit Pittsburgh, I think, years ago. Yeah. Love that place. Um, I don't know if that's the same gym, but yeah. I don't remember off the top of my head. Um, so my question kind of goes with uh, Best Hour had a post today, and it Uh-oh. says not all members care about intensity. That was um, me. That's one of the posts I'm saying people are arguing nonsense. People just like to argue. <laughs> so, so my question comes from uh, Chuck Bennington said, we, we've all had those people where we're rowing a 500 today and they're pulling a 330 split. And you're like, pull faster. And they're saying, well, this is all the faster I can go. How, you know, maybe not all members care about intensity, but clearly they can get faster than a 330 split. How do you... How do you uh, like translate that to uh, to a member, especially when they're like I have a member here. She's been here for three months, no weight loss, and she gets she gets upset and uh, she just she just comes here to move. She doesn't execute intensity. So how do you transition like translate that over to an athlete who doesn't quite understand? Yeah. Um... Yeah, it's a really solid one. And so I I feel like this one is a revisit of goals. Like, honestly, it's like, you know, if she's upset about not losing weight, is that really the goal that she's coming for? Or is she looking for community only? Or is community the priority weight and um, weight loss is secondary? Like, in my opinion, you've got to reestablish what was the purpose of her coming to the gym, because that is the motivating factor for what's going to take her forward. And so if coming to the gym was weight loss, then part of that has to do with uh, you tying that into what intensity is going to bring. Um, most clients that come to the gym are looking for something specific, but in the grand scheme of things, what most of them are looking for is a leader, somebody to actually take them through the process and get them to where they want to go. And how you do that is a rehearsing of, of the goals and a rehearsing of how to actually get to that place. And so, um, yeah, I would go with a one-on-one conversation in the office. I'd be like, talk to me, tell me what's going on. Before I went ahead and said, you need to go faster again. Like you've tried that cue and that cue's not working. It's time to change and change cues. Let's go for a different strategy. And the strategy would be, hey, Angela, come to the office and let's sit and talk. Hey, are you still happy here? What's going on with you, girl? You know? talk to me. Tell me what your week been like. What's going on? Are we still aiming to lose weight? Is that the ultimate goal that we're after? Or is that changed into something else? And then once you know what that thing is, you can refocus her based on the efforts that she's giving you in the gym, outside the gym towards that particular goal. But if you don't know what that goal is, or you're thinking that goal is something that it's no longer the priority for her, then essentially you're attaching something when her goal is up here. You're chasing something that's not really a priority for her. 
And so um, that would be my suggestion to you. Now, if you need her to go faster and she's still not going faster, you know, we can turn that into a Tabata row and, you know, work on some skills of trying to get her faster, that sort of thing. But I'd revisit the goal and find out what's going on there. Yeah. And, you know, Luke, since I'm the one that posted that there, like, I think also what you have to remember is there's a difference between somebody just not exuding any effort and, and the difference that I was searching is like, not everyone's looking for max effort intensity and certainly not every day. Right. But, and what Chuck just said goes back to our very first lesson, guys, understanding people's why, right. And never, it's never a bad idea to just sit down with your athlete and, and, and talk to them. Um, and then lastly, I would, I would throw there for all of us in the group, we're smart enough to know what they do in the box is relatively insignificant if they're not eating right. Yeah. Like they could eat right. And I could, I could row at 3.30 and then be okay, right, if I'm eating right. So what are you going to say? Do row, you do row at 3.30, Jake. <laughs> that would be intensity. That would be me at intensity, right? It's, and then also relative. knowing that about your athletes. Like, wow, that is intense for them. Yeah. Um, that is, yeah. Um, who we got next? Jason. Thanks, Devin. Hey, Chuck. How's it going? Hey, brother. Good. I you did my level one, I want to say, was in – 2015 something like that with you and uh todd and it was great time you did um, not have the beard that long it wasn't it wasn't this long you didn't make a comment about it um yeah uh, <laughs> but yeah it was uh, a little shorter um Good. all right so one of the things you're, you're most known for is just your your you have this endless enthusiasm and just such a positive attitude and kind of two parts. I want to know kind of what drives you, you know, what, where's that source of enthusiasm come from? And do you uh, ever get burnt out? You know, we talk about a lot about coaches getting burnt, burnt out and experience that. And do you experience that? And if you do, what do you use to uh, get back on track? Yeah. So yeah, what drives me? Um, we just did a video a little while ago. I don't know if you guys have had a chance to see it or not, but uh, we, uh, I've been very fortunate to have multiple opportunities, obviously, in this program. Um, but we did a, um, a video recently on the CrossFit scholarship program. And I, you know, said on that video that I wanted to be um, somebody else's motivation, basically, that, you know, this thing is possible. It's a real live goal, no matter how crazy it is. Um, and then try to provide some realistic steps for people to be able to get there, recognizing that every goal is never going to be achieved. Um, so what drives me is that, honestly, I literally want people to, to, to have somebody in their corner that believes that they can be better. And sometimes that means telling them realistic, hard truths, which is never fun sometimes. Um, um, but the driving factor is just wanting to be better, man. I just, I, I, you know, I'm a fo ex football player. That's kind of my trade. And you could become an all SEC performer one week and then get burned for three or four touchdowns the very next week. And so it's almost like what you did back there is good for back there, but it doesn't carry you forward to today. And so you always have to constantly prove yourself to some level. So that's kind of the driving factor. Do I get burned out? Absolutely. And um, I have multiple ways of, <laughs> of getting myself through my burnout. Um, I'm a beast on the cheat night, that's for sure. And uh, sometimes that satisfaction and downtime is, is, is very, very fun. Um, but I also, I also um, am not one that has to always gain the spotlight. And so I'm a huge fan of pushing other people forward as much as possible. And Jay can probably attest to this, that, you know, it, there are weekends when I go into some of my seminars where I, I feel like I'm on and things are clicking, the jokes are happening, you know, the, I'm getting information that I studied nine years ago and being able to relate that stuff. And then there's some weekends where that's just not happening. It's just, you know, whatever is just not going on. And so I'm a huge fan of making sure that other people get opportunities as well. And, um, you know, to me, that is, that is the thing. I'm a, I'm a huge comedy guy too. So I don't, I'm not funny. I'm a comedy guy, which means I listen to comedy <laughs> quite regularly. So, um, yeah. So that's kind of how I deal with it. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Chuck. Did you watch yes, the sir. new Kevin Hart special on Netflix, Chuck? So, you know, Kevin Hart to me tries too hard, brother. I, you know, I like him. He's funny, but you know, I'm, I'm more of a, I'm more of a, 
I have a drink in my mouth and I spit it out because I, you caught me off guard kind of guy, you know? And uh, that's more of the Dave Chappelle kind of, you know, so some Dave characters Chappelle like that. Killing it. He's become, he's not a comedian anymore. He's like a uh, philosopher. Yeah. That's yeah right. He's a great storyteller too. Yeah. So anybody that tells great stories to me can, can, uh, can make me laugh. So, yeah. All right. Let's go with Matt. <laughs> hey, Chuck. Hey, what's up, brother? Uh, thank you for everything you do. Pleasure. And, uh, I've got, I have two questions. I'm taking my level three on January and I want to know tips for my level three. And I also want to be on seminar staff one day. So like, Okay. Tips on, let's just say, I mean, I'm not in the process yet, but like when I get into the process of the whole, <clears throat> I forgot the name of it, though, but I know that there's different process. You go once and then they look at some stuff you do and then second time, everything else, all that stuff. Tips on my laboratory and also uh, how to get on seminar staff basically yeah no no problem and so those are two great questions uh, number one the level three is a brutal test how is anybody here taking the level three is no there's we a, have a of few you, right? yeah, yeah. No, i don't know if matt's yeah. on here but we have a couple yeah so the level three is a brutal brutal test um and and the thing i would tell you is study more than you think you need to study and i mean read everything they sent you i mean the questions on there some of them are so obscure some of them are specific to day-to-day um, in the gym stuff. And some of them are just, uh, you know, your perspective as a coach. And, um, that's probably all I can give you with, without violating some of the ANSI rules. I think I wrote some of the questions on that test and, uh, it took me three hours and 38 minutes to finish it out of the four hours that they gave us. Now I've had a lot of hits to the head with the football, but the point was I had 15 questions at the end of the test that I wanted to go back and kind of double check and see. And at 338, I unchecked all 15 of them and just crossed my fingers and submitted that thing. I was over it. Uh, so yeah, it's just, just prepare and, and treat it um, very much. If you've been to college, treat it like a college course. Uh, if you've not, um, treat it like it's the hardest test of your life. And you'll, you'll be pleasantly surprised and pleasantly, uh, you'll probably be extremely happy with where CrossFit is going when you sit for that test because it's pretty brutal. The second question was seminar staff. Um, not many people recognize that being on seminar staff is only one avenue of, of recognized great coaching. And it's not for everybody. It is literally in service of the community. And people think because you get to wear the CrossFit red shirt that it is like, you know, I have a totally arrived. And um, what I'll tell you is uh, it's a labor of love. It's a rewarding and fun job, but it's very much like being a coach at a gym uh, who has to clean the bathroom occasionally, who has to put away PVC, PVC pipes and wipe down med balls. It's a service to the community. And so um, it's an honor to serve, but it is service. So what I would tell you to do is realize it's a job interview. And um, hopefully Jay has done a really good job in this platform of teaching you guys to take feedback. Um, because again, Ask Jersey never... Tony. okay. <laughs> 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 if you can't, I mean, honestly, that's what it's about. It's about taking feedback and seeing how you respond. And if you, you know, if in this platform, you guys are getting that opportunity, then you're probably head and shoulders above the rest. Um, but yeah, there, you'd be surprised how many people aren't willing to take feedback or don't take feedback well. And, um, and I would tell you that in order to get better, you know, you, you just have to be able to take it. You don't have to necessarily agree with it, but you have to be able to see the perspective and see if you can't make adjustments that'll help you going forward. If you're willing to do that, then it's just a matter of, are you a right fit for the, for the gig? You know, it's, it, it, it's a, you know, I live my life in airports and hotels and, uh, you know, if that's glamorous for you, then come on. But if that's not glamorous for you, then maybe, maybe go ahead and tell them thank you, but no, thank you. You know? So, yeah, it's good questions though. It's good. And Brady, to answer your question. Yes. The level three, I believe is immediate results. I don't know if I was expecting okay. that. Um, yeah. when I walked out, uh, let's go with miles. Yeah. Miles. Chuck, thank you for being here. Thank you for everything. Um, I'm, Depending on the holiday schedule, I should be taking my L2 in Birmingham in two weeks. Okay. So, oh, was that Mudtown? Yeah. You're at a lot of those, Chuck. 
Yeah, I'm not on. I'm not in two weeks though. Mm. Nope. Lindsay's usually there too. Great team. Yeah. Um. So I'm in the process of starting my own affiliate. I actually okay. just got the approval uh, letter from CrossFit or email today. Congrats, um, Sarah. Yeah, Miles. for sure. Thank you. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't know oh, if I'm yeah. nuts in this whole COVID environment, but you know, <laughs> you only live once. My my question is, since you've been in so many boxes, my goal, especially in the uh, the area I live, I feel I have one shot to create the community to to yeah. to make it a third home. Since you've been in so many different boxes, I was going to ask you what some things you've maybe seen or witness that you said, wow, that's, that's a great way to bring the community in or, or, or to make this a third home. Yeah. Um, I think you kind of mentioned it right away. It's like the community aspect. And the question is, how are you going to establish that at your gym? And the one thing I would tell you is it, it probably has a lot to do there at your gym, but most of it is going to be the outreach that you have to the community. If you can get your hands in the community, you'll become a bigger influence than just what goes on in the walls of your gym. We all know that what goes on in the walls of the gym is good stuff. People are going to benefit. You just show up, give us a little bit of intensity and eat moderately right. Things are going to start to happen. But outside of that, who are you touching in the community beyond beyond your four walls of your gym? And how you do that, I'm going to leave up to you. But what I'll tell you is every gym is about one or two relationships from everything they need. So if you need to have a bigger influence in the community, get to the, the county commissioner or all the other meetings, the people that are influential, you're going to have to do that by the relationships that you have inside the walls of the gym. And so um, events are always great. Um, being involved in, um, in some of the fundraising things for your community are always great. Um, but usually people that are successful and have phenomenal communities recognize who the people are in their gym and know that they're one or two relationships away from literally being involved in everything in the community. How you do that, I can't, I, I won't give you a specific way to do that, but, but I will just tell you, recognize who you have coming into your gym, invest your time in knowing who those people are, because I can almost guarantee you if people are paying 150 to 200, 350 bucks a month, these are people that have some influence in the community and you need to know where that influence is. Yeah. That's a good point. Thank you. That's great. Yeah. Hopefully Thanks, that Chuck. helps. Chuck, what do you think is the magic number for a single box owner and growth of a community? Ooh, I, I, I don't know, Jay. Um, I, I think it comes back to your skill set, management skills. How can you, you know, how, how are you with keeping up with people, that sort of thing. When I had my gym, we grew it to, you know, to 80 clients with two trainers, myself and my business partner. And we were still calling people when they missed their sessions, that sort of thing. And so I, I would probably say somewhere around that number, maybe a little more with, with management skill, you can probably expand that out. Um, I didn't have good management skills. Like I said, I got, you know, call me on my cell phone, text me, that sort of thing. Like that's how we, that's how we roll. Yeah. We were, we were similar with our finances too. It's like, we didn't chase people for money. We didn't have, we didn't have um, uh, agreements and contracts. It's like, if you didn't want to be at our facility, we didn't want you to be there. Um, that probably wasn't a good business strategy, especially if you're talking about, you know, longevity as a gym owner and putting braces on kids' teeth, that sort of thing. But um, we were protective of our culture. And so I had to earn the right of every, um, every client that walked in every, every day, like literally I was earning their check every single time they walked in the door. So it made me, it forced me out of my comfort zone a lot. So, yeah. Do you still have a hundred percent retention rate at your current affiliate? <laughs> at my current affiliate, I have a hundred percent retention rate. <laughs> what, what Jay is referring to, some of you have probably heard me introduce this. If you've been to the level ones or level twos, uh, I have a two car garage that's outfitted, not really all that nice, but it's outfitted. And uh, the one client I have is my son. So, you know, he still comes. He's in college right now. And so he's, I'm probably going to lose him in the next couple of years. So we'll see what happens. But uh -oh. right now, I'm the only affiliate with 100% retention rate. <laughs> yeah, but that's a bad stat if you lose 100% of your members too. <laughs> I like what Tony just said. Jersey Tony just reiterated, hey, love the fact that every guest that we've had on from Coach B to Austin to Alec, um, has the same feeling. If you don't want to be here, then you don't want to be here. Well, well said, uh, Jersey Tony. Federico, I see you, but I'm holding you off because I love to know. Don't unmute yourself, Federico. 
I love when you're our last question. So, Owen, I see you. Hey, Chuck, how you doing? Good, brother. Good, good to see you again. You did my, uh, you my too. level one and my level two. Yeah, yep. I'm out here with Dorian. <laughs> so, um, yeah, first, go dogs. Want to get that one in. There you go. Um, so, my question is just kind of, a couple people kind of answered some where you touched on a few things. So like whether it's coaching wise or within the community, I'm just really interested, like what's one thing that just like really fires you up, like that you absolutely love either seeing when you're coaching or just in the community in general, maybe a trend and what's something that you can just do without. And it's like, ah, we don't need that. Whew. Uh, and you're talking about specifically in the box. Is that right? Yeah. Like it could be like a, a trend you see in coaching or, or in the community in general and like something that really fires you up and then something that's like, ah, we could, we could take or leave that one. So I, this is going to be, I have to walk a fine line with this one. And um, <clears throat> because I don't want to come across as, someone who is anti-competition or anti-sport. Obviously, I've competed my, my whole life, um, and so competition is a big thing for, for me. But um, I think it's – I think I could do without – I could do without um, the trend that there has to be at the beginning of every single session a strength followed by a Metcon. I could do without that. Um and I would like to see us do without that more often. Having said that, though, because this is an affiliate model, I think it's a huge applause to people that can do strength followed by Metcon and execute it well. It doesn't happen very often, but it can happen very well. So the one thing I'd like to see us do without trend wise is feeling like we have to do something barbell strength related followed by Metcon. I would much rather see us try to get people upside down working on handstand walks, muscle ups, things of that L sits, things of that nature. That would be my first thing. Um, the thing that I love to see is there seems to be a shift in our, in our, in our gyms that people are starting to celebrate scaling more. And to me, that is badass. when people are willing to take the RX version and be able to morph it down and go, you know what, today I can't actually do that. I need to do something different and be okay with it. To me, that is the one thing I think will make um, people continually come to our facility for the long term, not feeling like they have to leave broken every single time or that because they have a muscle up, they have to do muscle ups for the entire workout. It might be appropriate today to not do one muscle up and stare at the rings for the next two and a half minutes before you can get your next one. So that scaling aspect, huge applause. Um, and I would like to see just a little bit of reduction in the strength followed by Metcon. And I would like to see that strength piece followed up by reintroducing new skills, seeing athletes get legless rope climbs before they have a two times body weight deadlift. Like to me, that, that is impressive. Um, Jay and I have a friend that has a client that has, he's 68 years old now and he does legless rope climbs in a workout to me like that, you know, what more exemplifies what this program can do for people than seeing a legless rope climb at a human being that's almost 70 years old, not one, not two, but cycled in a workout to me, that's just, that is the foundation built properly in my opinion. But yeah, sorry, brother. Nice shirt too, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. When I was judging the games last year, I had the best, I had the fittest from India, Sim. And uh, in the first heat, in the, like, you know how they had the, everyone, 150 people? And he, he got through one legless rope climb. And that was it. I just sat there staring at him for about 18 minutes, yeah. trying to get legless rope climbs. So, Sim, you should be, you know, training. I want to see you at the games uh, next year. So, Chuck. Do you know who that was, Sam? I mean, is it is he well represented yeah. in India? Uh, he's in the box close by, pretty close by, uh, city nearby. Yeah, strong dude, but just couldn't show it. About, you're talking about Vedarth? I don't remember his name. Uh, no worries. So, Chuck, why do you think over the years strength got pushed to the forefront? It was never 
part of coach Glassman's credo or, you know, yeah. it, you know, it yeah. was a, in, in fitness in 100 words, it was splits and slips and all, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. Why do you think over the years it, it became that? I, I think what happened was people were trying to overlay the old program and old fitness style program onto this CrossFit program and traditional routes of getting strong involve machines, barbells and external loads. And it's like, Unfortunately, that's not the foundation. The foundation is you've got to learn how to control your body before you can start doing well with all these other things. And I think I think somehow the celebration of of weightlifting, which we totally need to do, just was a little bit more obvious and promoted than was the gymnastics type stuff. When I watch Chris Spieler do 29 muscle ups in a row, um, you know, and then he fell off the rings and couldn't get his 30th. And I was so grateful because I forgot to start the clock, like, you know, for 30 muscle ups for time. So it was, it was a great day for me when I watched him do 98 pull-ups in a row, you know, and, and not being able to hang on because he was so bloody, he just slipped right off the bar. Like when you see feats like that, um, it makes a one and a half times body weight snatch pale. And it's just not the same, you know, um, I don't know. I just think that we we somehow missed missed the boat or interpreted things a little bit wrong. And I, again, going back to one of the first questions, I think that came up about what would I do, and it was a commitment to the to the to the program in and of itself to understand that. I think that was one of the first questions that we had earlier. Um, yeah, that's what I, I mean. You just missed it right there, plain English. It says, "Hey, here's the story. You've got to." control your body weight before you start talking about external loads. It's like somebody missed that and went directly to external loads. And, um, and now we've got this incredible gap um, in many places in the program that we've got to catch up on. So, yeah. So, it's, sorry. So I think it's, it's sexier. And also you can easily do that. You know, the journey from no pull-ups to your first pull-up could be months, if not years, but the journey from a 95 pound snatch to 135 could be, you know, a couple of weeks, right? Dial in that technique a little bit. So there's probably something to be said about just the hard work and grind of improving that. Yeah. And 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 I'll go back, Jay. Part of part of the reason that we didn't teach muscle ups early on was because of my lack of ability to teach them. <laughs> I mean, I could do it. I could climb up on the rings and go, is this what you're talking about? Like that thing? Is that what you mean? Yeah. But unfortunately, I didn't have a skill set that says, hey, if somebody doesn't have pulling power, how can I still get them on the rings in a position that is going to, number one, keep them safe, and number two, get them learning the neurological components that someday when they get strong enough, it's not gonna, I'm not going to have to reteach the pulling positions. They're going to know exactly what it's like to, to work the rings close to the body and pull deep towards the xiphoid process or the sternum. If I had that skill set, I would have taught those things a lot earlier, but it was a commitment to not knowing that information. And so again, learn as much as I possibly can with help. So. Yeah, that makes sense too. I mean, people were coaching the snatch at least publicly before it was so public coaching the muscle up and handstand walking, et cetera. All right. I see you, Brady. You have another question. Go, brother. Yeah, really fast. Um, so do you think, Chuck, I know you said that people started putting a bigger emphasis on weight on, on weightlifting, like strength and Metcon. Do you think yeah. it's because kind of like the early thing, dude, get out of the camera. Um, <laughs> uh, do you think it's because like in the early 2010s when games athletes kind of started putting a big stress on strength, like snatch, clean and jerk, back squat, deadlift, the whole, like, do you think that's kind of turned, turned into the trend or it just happened to go that way in affiliates? I think it happened to go that way because people want to do what they're good at. Like, that's just the deal. I mean, I, you let me program workouts. I can tell you what it's going to be. They're going to be about four to five minutes long. The barbell is going to be 135 pounds and we're not doing any more than 30 repetitions. Like that's because I know that's my sweet spot. Um, but if you, but if you, if you're committed to learning, you know, the unknown and the unknowable pieces to this program, you can't ignore the fact that you've got a two times body weight deadlift, but you can't kick upside down and do seven unbroken handstand pushups. Like that's the, that's out of balance. Like, okay, you've got this incredible deadlift, but if you're talking about being well-rounded in this program, you, 
you got to have an LSAT too. Like that's just, it's just out of proportion. And so what we do is we don't have a commitment to the weaknesses and the deficiencies. We have a commitment to the things that we're good at. Why? Because we can see gains there pretty regularly. Um, you know, it takes a while to get a two minute LSAT. I mean, you know, I, I still don't have one and I've been doing this since 2000 and, you know, whatever, but um, I, I just think people don't like being told what they don't do well. And again, that's same thing in coaching. You come see my coaching class, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll work on and do what I'm good at, but I don't want to hear that I need to spend more time on creating a better progression for that, uh, for that lunge for the athlete that doesn't have one yet. Like, you know, yeah. Sorry, brother. I just get on soapboxes. You got to strike nerves every now and then. And that's what happens. So. <laughs> All good. All right. So there's no more questions. We'll uh, wrap this thing up. Just kidding, Frederico. I see you in the corner. <laughs> Frederico, go ahead. You're up. Hi, Chuck. Hi. My question is, what's the, from um, red short perspective, uh, long-term red short perspective, what's the worst thing that change in CrossFit that you that you want to change in what you think is better. What is the thing that I want to change in CrossFit? Yes. Hmm. The thing that I want to change. Man, that's good. I uh, that I want to change. Uh, you know, I wish gymnastics wasn't at the bottom of that theoretical hierarchy is the development of an athlete. I'm 200 and some odd pounds, brother. I don't want to be there. No, that's one thing for sure. Um, the thing that I, that I want to see changed in the program. Uh, I, <clears throat> so I, I'm very much a CrossFit loyalist and um, as much as I can be. And I'm a huge fan of people being able to do what they want to with their affiliates. I think it's a huge benefit that if you want to not have an on-ramp program at your gym, to not have one. If you want to do strength followed by Metcon, you should have the right to go ahead and do that. And so I, I hesitate to go ahead and say that I would change any of that stuff. I guess the one thing that I would like to see is, um, is maybe after going, maybe after 15 years of being in the program, something like that, um, maybe you should, you should look to try to do something further in terms of credentials. And I, I even hesitate to make that a thing I would like to see. It's like my heart says that I would like that, but, um, I don't know that I'd want that to be put in stone. I just think there's so much value to the product that we're putting out, um, that I wish everybody could could and would want to take advantage of it. Um, but there's also opportunities like this springing up where you guys don't have to go through the CrossFit level two, level three, where you get an opportunity to get some feedback on your coaching. So if I, okay, so re to rephrase your, to rephrase my answer, I wish everybody had a mandatory amount of feedback that they had to receive from somebody not working at their gym. There you go. That would be my one thing. I wish that F in five years, 10 years, you had to have somebody come into your facility, CrossFit, not CrossFit, but be able to give you mandatory feedback on your coaching. That's the one thing I wish that was there. CrossFit will never mandate that, and I'm not recommending that we do. I just wish it was something that was a part of what's happening, just so you had the chance to hear a different voice than the people that work for you or that you work for. That's what I wish. Yeah. So would you recommend piggybacking on that? And then I'll let you chime in, Federico, that potentially that could um, remove your affiliation? No. No. So no. even if you're a terrible coach, somebody comes in, you're the worst coach I've ever seen. You just, that's your feedback. 
we're out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, <laughs> so here's the story. <laughs> Look, I, there, there have been moments that I can guarantee you, if you ask some of the participants that have gone to a seminar, they were like, yeah, he just wasn't that good this weekend. I was expecting more and he wasn't there. So I, I don't think a snapshot of one day in your affiliate is going to be a full depiction of the kind of quality that you're providing. But I do think you need to wrestle with the information that you receive. The information is, hey, you crushed this, but that part actually sucked. Now it's on you to go back and figure out what are you going to do with that information? To me, I feel like that's the one thing I wish everybody had to, to deal with or wrestle with. Yeah. Like, like social media. It's just a snapshot, as you said, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Christian, nobody gets, I'm yeah, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Nobody gets what? No. Nobody gets better being told what they do well all, all the time. So if you can't get that feedback, man, it's just, you're operating in a vacuum. It's just not realistic. So how many times have I told you guys that, right? Brady likes to shoot uh, sunshine and rainbows out of his butt at everybody <laughs> when I give him the feedback. And I'm like, hey, you're like Austin said that to me way back when I started. I don't need to tell you what you're good at. You're here. Yeah. Here's what you need to work on. Yeah. Um, and, and we all probably stole that from Pat Sherwood. I think he told me that one of my very first seminars when after he told me you crushed it, like he was like high five chest bump. And then he pulled me to the side and was like, look, here's the story. If I give you all of that stuff every time you're going to end up sucking in the long run. So let me tell you the hard stuff. And literally he, he laid it all out to me, top to bottom, a lot of nitpicky stuff sometimes, but it was stuff I had to wrestle with. So it's good. And you guys that are head coaches and box owners give positive, no, treat your, your coaching staff like you would an athlete, give them, enough yeah. positive praise that they're still receptive to that Correct. feedback. Yeah. You guys are a different breed trying to level up, get your level three or become part of staff than your coach that coaches two times a week. And you have yeah. to balance that feedback with where meet them where they are. Christian. Yeah. This is a follow up to earlier. I'm just curious. You, uh, you had said something along the lines of uh, seminar staff. Wasn't the only uh, prestigious title um yeah. crossman i was just curious what was the other one you had in mind yeah there's other ones uh gym owner affiliate owner is a phenomenal one man you you're the leader of people i mean people show up daily to come to your box because they think you have the answers bro like that like what i mean forget about the red shirt man you have people paying you money consistently and they don't see you one weekend two days they see you week after week, month after month, when you get there on time, when you're five minutes late, they see you how you respond when you're prepared and when you're not prepared. They see all of that to me. I mean, huge kudos to you guys, man. I mean, you're taking people on a, on a journey and they're, they're consistently investing their hard earned money in the product that you're producing. I mean, that to me is, you know, I mean, I don't know. I think that's, that's as impactful as what we do. We just set the goal. We set the the trajectory, uh, at least for for affiliate owners and people that are trying to get into the program. But you guys, man, you're hand walking them all the way through this process, man. That's like, bro, like you know, we're just, we're a snapshot. You guys are actually the the journeyman. So it's really cool. Yeah, that's mine. All right, what? Chuck. Oh, like you have it. a follow up question? You like? Oh, it? I was gonna say I. I noticed too that like if you know if you treat your members right, they uh, they look to you just like coaches would to a red shirt. Yeah. Like they think we're the cat's ass. Like they're yeah they're always like hyping us up, and I'm like I'm not that cool. <laughs> for the record, cat's ass is good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. yeah, 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 for sure. So you know, think about it. I mean, I'm very proud. It's one of my hardest achievements that I've ever done, and it's hard work. But how many of you literally were like, oh, I don't even remember who was at my level one my level two right brady couldn't name the other people he remembers an attractive girl that's all he remembers right but you remember your first coach you remember your box owner those are the people that truly impact you on a daily basis yeah you know i think there is a big misconception frederick i see you unmuted yourself did you do that on purpose or no you good just for the all right chuck i'm gonna let you go i i want to ask you one last question what um all right Give these guys one piece of advice to continue to have that passion within them to help others, to continue to want to improve. You got 30 people here on a Tuesday, you know, in December that clearly care. What's one piece of advice you would give them to continue to, to push this forward and continue to 
you know, want to help people improve their lives. So we've talked about this a lot, Jay, and I, I imagine you've probably already told them this. And so I, I'm, I'm going to give them the thing that I, I think you've already given them. And then I'll give just one additional piece. Um, Coach Glassman, who invented the program, um, good, bad, or indifferent, um, was asked years ago, um, Coach, how do you become a better coach? How do you improve on the skill set? And he answered it with care, 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 and care. I think he said it four times in a row. We can't teach you how to give a shit. And you either have that or you don't. And outside of all of that stuff, is literally where everything else comes from. It's all your study. It's all your, it's all your prep work. It's all your checking in with your athletes that are not uh, showing up at class that are not getting their goals that are not giving you intensity. It's all of that stuff. It, it's built out of that for me going forward. I would tell you to, to plan, execute and adjust. Like literally that's it. And if you do those three things, then, then you'll be, you'll be headed in the right direction. Plan as much as you can, execute to the best of your ability. And if you nail it, high five and chest bump. And when you don't, or it's slightly off, just adjust and make that thing better going forward. Thanks for checking out this episode of the Best Hour of Their Day podcast. We appreciate you listening and choosing to have us help you in your passion for coaching and affiliate ownership. You can find more episodes just like this on all podcast platforms. If you're interested in learning more, you can reach out to us on any social media platforms, or you can visit www.besthouroftheirday.com to book a call. If you found this episode helpful for you, please share it so that we can help other coaches and affiliate owners to help build a bigger and stronger CrossFit community. Thanks for listening.